0: Man oh man, what a game that was. That was exciting guys, that was an awesome game. I was stoked on it. What a fucking game. Came all the way down to the kicker, Greg Zerlon, golden leg, the one that everybody was drafting to miss the field goal. Hell yes. Talk about offensive firepower. Knew that was gonna happen, just knew it. These two teams, they both struggle on defense but their offenses are fire. And that was an awesome, awesome game. But my favorite part about the game last night was looking at my phone and realizing that I made some money. Oh, yes. If you guys listened to my DFS podcast yesterday, you would have made some money too. Obviously, I talked about the Russell Wilson stack, the making sure that you get Cooper Cup in there because Seattle struggles tremendously up against slot wide receivers. Jared Goff, throwing for over 300 yards minimum. Chris Carson, being the grinded out. Todd Gurley, getting some work in there, of course. Tyler Lockett, tuttying. Yeah, I did think Tyler Lockett was going to have a better game than what he did, but still, he still produced. He produced 1.1 times his value. So, that's a win. Greg Zerline, I talked about the golden leg a little bit. Said, hey, if they need to get on the board, Greg Zerline's the kicker to own in this game. DK Metcalf, that long bomb. Two receptions for 44 yards and a tutty. Will Disley being that rock-solid floor where you know what you're going to get. And then that sleeper value with David Moore. And then do you know who I said not to start? Remember? Remember who I said do not start no matter what happens, do not start him? Oh, Robert Woods? Yeah. Because they locked down Robert Woods. Locked him down. Had no shot. Now, I did miss on Gerald Everett. Did not see that one coming. And it was pretty insane. I rewatched the game film. A lot of Everett's output came on some broken plays. But the bigger thing was they actually used him almost as a slot wide receiver on a few different occasions, confusing the defense and messing up their matchups. So Gerald Everett, I did not see coming. I'll admit that 100%. But my other disappointing pick was Brandon Cooks, who I thought was going to be insane this game. And he was so close to doing it. He had the opportunity. If he would have moved the defender over, shifted behind him and caught that one bomb, it could have gone for a touchdown, and we'd be having a completely, completely different conversation today about how Brandon Cooks was the man, but he wasn't. He ended up going out in the third or fourth quarter, I believe, because he got sat on. All the body weight just went straight onto his helmet. It was, uh, it was kind of scary, actually, but yeah, he ended up going out with a concussion right when the Rams needed to use him, and they would have used him. They would have. So, yes, that is a loss for me. I'm not making excuses, but hell. That was a pretty sick statistical breakdown yesterday. Expert analysis, if I do say my, so myself. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I got help from you guys. All the questions you guys keep coming my way. I appreciate them, and it makes me look deeper and deeper into different areas. So, keep those questions coming, guys. You guys can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash fantasyintervention. Keep those questions coming. It only makes me better. And this podcast is only getting better. So, With that being said guys, Devin is actually out sick today. So I ended up having to do a podcast by myself. And with all the DFS flow and momentum I have going right now, I'm going to go ahead and switch the days up. So hopefully Devin feels better and he's able to do our standard fantasy podcast. So it should be coming to you guys tomorrow. That's gonna be FMK and BDSM, Glutton for Punishment. We're gonna tell you guys which matchups you should be starting right off the bat. No matter what happens, these are lineups you should be going with. But for me, I'm going to go ahead and get started off with another episode of Daily Fantasy Football. Typically, guys, I go a little bit different. I break down analysis for each player. Last week, I did learn how to really play Daily Fantasy, where I gave you guys a little bit of an instructions. This week, I'm actually going to go with three different topics, where I'm going to talk a little bit about juicy matchups and stacks, along with values, so players that are a lot cheaper that you can play in if you want to play a lot of higher-end people. And then the contrarian picks where you're not going to get a ton of ownership in these picks. So you might want to pick them up and play them if if you're looking for a higher end result. But keep in mind, guys, there's two different types of daily fantasy. You have cash games, which is where you want to play it safe. You just want to score in the top 50%. So you don't play these cheaper quarterbacks. You play people that are guaranteed floors. You get solid players in there, and you make sure that you score a certain amount of points. Look at the matchups, and look at the opportunity. When it comes to the tournament play, you're looking at prices, you're looking at matchups, and you're looking at pure talent and opposition talent. So these are plays that might have a low floor, but they also have tremendous upside. And this is where I'm going to get started on this. This is for tournament plays, obviously, for this stack. But I'm going to start out with the stacks. And we're going to start out with Chase Daniels and Allen Robinson up against the Oakland Raiders in London. Now, this is why I'm picking this lineup. This is why I'm picking this as one of my stats. First off, I am so much higher rated on Chase Daniel this week than most of the experts out there. And I know, I know, they're experts for a reason. But these experts that are on ESPN who are ranking Chase Daniel as the 24th overall ranked quarterback don't know what they're fucking talking about. Or maybe they do, and maybe I'm just an idiot. But typically when I'm so convinced about something such as this, I'm not wrong. When it comes to passing, the Oakland Raiders are the worst team in football in yards per attempt, passing-wise. The worst in yards per attempt. Their defense is terrible. Their pass defense is brutal, terrible, awful. They have no Vontaze burfick this week. Thank God the fucking headhunter's gone. But they have no middle linebacker in there. They've only played the Broncos, the Chiefs, the Vikings, and the Colts. They've allowed fantasy f- points to be had to the quarterback and to the wide receiver position to all those teams outside of the Vikings who didn't need to pass the ball. They only passed the ball 21 times that game because they ended up winning, and I think the score was 34-14, to 14, something along those lines. Don't forget, it's Khalil Mack's revenge game. And you better believe Khalil Mack is motivated and he's going to go out in London and show them what's up. Show them what they fucking gave up and make them wish that they had him back. But that's going to end up. So that's going to end up leaving Chase Daniels and Allen Robinson with a short field constantly the whole entire day, just over and over again, short field, short field, short field. Chase Daniels could have four touchdowns this game. Easy touchdowns. He's not going to have a lot of yards. He's going to have one of those games where you see 200, 250 yards and with three or four touchdowns. He could dump it off to Tariq Cohen. That's not a bad stack. And you could even consider going Chase Daniel with Allen Robinson and Montgomery. Let Montgomery gobble up all those yards on that short field and let Chase Daniel pass it in from the 10-yard line over and over and over again. The Oakland Raiders are not a good team. The best part about this, though, is everybody, when they think about London, they think about how these are just horrible offensive games. But that's because they've been sending the Raiders and the Jacksonville Jaguars to London every fucking year. So yes, you're going to get bad games. You're going to get terrible offense. This is still not a good offensive game. But when it comes to efficiency and short field, Chase Daniels has the recipe written all over him to have a great game. The best part about this is what allows you to play on the back end these guys are cheap they are so so cheap it allows you to put in an all-star lineup my next stack is going to be deshaun watson hopkins and fuller up against atlanta and obviously we know Atlanta has a terrible terrible defense but they're falling apart all over the place it's not just the defense and you look at what happened last week with Sean Watson. He is frustrated up against the Carolina Panthers. He hung out at NRG Stadium for four hours after the game, reviewing his plays, watching the game film, seeing where he should have been on the football field into comparison of where he actually was. He wants to get this right. He is a motivated, motivated individual. And I think this is a get-right game for Deshaun Watson and New Hopkins and Will Fuller. You talk about Atlanta and all the big plays they've allowed, Plus, I believe they just lost their safety as well. You need to start in at least one of your lineups, Deshaun Watson, Hopkins, and Fuller. And then if we pop over the Atlanta side of the ball, I don't think that Matt Ryan and Julio Jones are a bad matchup either, because it's going to be an offensive firepower base game, and they can't run the ball. My only concern with this is that TJ Watt spends his whole entire afternoon in the backfield of the Atlanta Falcons, sacking Matt Ryan and causing havoc. And Matt Ryan doesn't have the time, but that actually bodes better for Julio Jones because that means that Mohamed Sanu, who is more of the downfield threat, won't have time to get the ball. But it's still not a bad stack. Not a bad stack having Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and either Ridley or Sanu. There are fantasy points that are there to be had. For the Arizona and Bengals game, that's another juicy, juicy lineup. And this is what I want to talk about is Auden Tate. Yes, Tyler Boyd, you could definitely play him. But if I want to play a super, super cheap base to my lineup with tremendous upside, so that way I can play players like Ezekiel Elliott and Mark Ingram, I need to play Andy Dalton, Auden Tate, and Tyler Eifert. Arizona Cardinals are the worst up against tight ends, but they're also really, really bad up against bigger receivers. And Auden Tate looks like a damn tight end. I think it's going to be a fast-paced game. We have Zach Taylor with his brand-new offense up against Cliff Kingsbury and his air raid. This is a very, very fast-paced game. There could easily, easily be 125-plus plays in this game to go around. More plays means more opportunity and more offense. On the Arizona side, Christian Kirk's gonna be out. Keyshawn Johnson is a super, super upside play that is very low cost. Larry Fitzgerald, he ended up passing number two on the all-time list for receptions, but he was not happy last week at the end of the game. He didn't care about the record. He's motivated and he wants to win. You better believe he's gonna get everybody fired up and includes Kyler Murray. And you could even throw David Johnson there for receiving down work. The Bengals are terrible, terrible up against the run game. Absolutely terrible. David Johnson can get some big, big plays on this one. You could end up playing all four of those guys for extremely, extremely cheap when you stack Kyler Murray, David Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, and Keyshawn Johnson on the same roster. You talk about potential superstars that you can put in that lineup along with that. It's insane. The biggest thing is is people are going to be afraid to use Andy Dalton. People are going to be afraid to use Kyler Murray. But I think these two defenses are so, so bad, so bad, These two quarterbacks could end up being easily top 12, but potentially top six or seven. And you're getting them for dirt, dirt cheap. Tampa Bay and New Orleans. Now, this is my fear with this game because I think everybody's going to be chasing the points from last week. Everybody's going to be stacking Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Jameis Winston. Everybody. So if you're in cash lineups, I would recommend playing this game for a cash lineup. Go ahead and stack Chris Godwin, Jameis Winston, and Mike Evans. But I want you guys to remember what Marshawn Lattimore did to the Cowboys last week. Completely, completely shut out Amari Cooper. Mike Evans is essentially Amari Cooper. Is Marshawn Lattimore going to shut him out again? He's got have been rivals for a very, very long time. Marshawn Lattimore knows his body. He knows his body. Ooh. Even in tournaments, Chris Godwin and... Jameis Winston are definitely worth the stack if you want to have that one guaranteed upside play. And you could even contemplate putting in OJ Howard. I know he's not a sexy pick, but he does have the upside potential up against the Saints. Now on the other side of things, Teddy Bridgewater and Michael Thomas are an obvious stack. Obvious stack. But the one you want to throw in there with upside potential is going to be Jared Cook because Teddy Bridgewater loves his tight ends. And Jared Cook has not been producing. He has not been producing. I'll be the first one to admit that because I've been watching his targets every single week and his targets are there. And that's what creates buy low candidates for standard leagues, by the way, is guys that aren't producing, but keep on getting the opportunity. Eventually they have to have a breakout week because you're not going to get seven targets, six targets, just like he's had two of the past three games and not produce. Teddy Bridgewater loves the tight end. Think about Teddy Bridgewater with Rudolph in Minnesota. There was a point where Kyle Rudolph was considered a top five tight end in dynasty, in dynasty because of Teddy Bridgewater. Not because of his own talent, because of Teddy Bridgewater. Because that's who Teddy Bridgewater goes to. This could be the breakout week for Jared Cook. Tampa Bay gave up huge, huge points to Greg Olson and to Evan Ingram. Huge points. And they still gave up eight receptions to Kittle, although he only got 54 yards with them. However, they were so honed in on Kittle, there's nowhere he could go. This is Jared Cook's get-right game. And Teddy Bridgewater, Michael Thomas, and Jared Cook could be one of the best stacks to own because very, very few people are going to own them. Very few people are going to own them. Teddy Bridgewater has not been producing. Jared Cook has not been producing. And Michael Thomas, eh. But this is the week where they all go off. And you get good values on Teddy Bridgewater. You get a decent value on Michael Thomas. He's still one of the top guys, and you still get a decent value on him. And Jared Cook, great value. This is the week that all three of those guys go off. That's going to wrap it up for my stacks. I'm going to hop over next to my values. These are guys that you're going to want to look at if you're playing a stack such as Jameis Winston, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans. We're looking at, first off, Chris Thompson sitting at 5,400, who's extremely, extremely good value because the Redskins are going to be down most likely. 99.9% chance the Redskins are down by two scores on the Patriots' first two drives. As soon as they're down, Adrian Peterson is coming off the field for the majority of plays. It's going to be Chris Thompson time. For 5,400, I'm playing Chris Thompson all over the place. For Chris Thompson to be considered profitable, all he has to do is have four receptions for 34 yards. That's it. And he's considered a profit. I can see Chris Thompson having over 70 or 80 yards this game with maybe 10 receptions. And he's profitable at that. He's profitable. If he gets six receptions for 75 yards, let's just say, he doubled his value. If he gets a touchdown, he tripled his value. If he breaks off a big run and he ends up with 120 yards receiving and a touchdown, he quadruples his value. And that's very, very much so in the realm of possibilities, especially if it's a blowout because the Patriots aren't going to be playing their starters on defense. They don't want their people to get hurt. They're losing people left and right. They're going to take their starters off the field. In the fourth quarter, if the Patriots are up 35 to 7, Chris Thompson is getting 125 yards. Chris Thompson is getting 150 all-purpose yards and a touchdown. You might consider that a hot take but I'm taking Chris Thompson in a lot, a lot of lineups so I can spend money in other places. Up next, we have Cole Beasley, who's 13th in the NFL in targets, and he has Matt Barkley this week. He does have a tough matchup against Tennessee, but Tennessee has proven that they have holes here and there. The biggest thing is is Matt Barkley doesn't have the same arm as Josh Allen, and they have so many route trees run with Josh Allen slinging the ball downfield. Matt Barkley can't make those plays. He's going to have to check down to Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley is an extreme, extreme value where you could see him, where you can see him getting like eight receptions for 70 yards. And that would be considered a value. You're doubling your value with that. Look for Cole Beasley to have a very, very solid game and be a extreme, extreme value. Tariq Cohen's up next, and we already talked about the Bears and the Raiders. And I'm looking at Tariq Cohen at 59. They don't have Vontaze perfect. They don't have much speed in their linebacker core. Tariq Cohen could be coming out of the backfield or coming out of the slot and get a ton of points this week. He's valued at 5,900. Dorsett, 5,400. And this is the matchup where I'm probably going to have a very similar lineup going, and I'm going to have Chris Thompson one and Philip Dorsett in another because Tom Brady struggled last week up against the Bills. He did not look good. I think he comes out this week and slings two touchdowns, Philip Dorsett deep, up against the Washington Redskins, who have struggled, struggled tremendously up against Speedsters. And you better believe that Bill Belichick has seen that. You better believe that there's going to be some downfield passing. And whether it goes to Josh Gordon or Philip Dorsett remains to be seen. But if Philip Dorsett hits on this, it's not just going to be a small hit. We're talking big-time points being put up for Philip Dorsett. Now, with that being said, I'm not touching Tom Brady because of the fact that if he throws those two, three touchdowns, they're going to pull them out just like they did a couple weeks ago and let their rookie get some snaps in because obviously they cannot afford to lose Tom Brady, but I am still going to go to Philip Dorsett as a value wide receiver. Tyler Eifert up next against Arizona, and we already kind of reviewed that, but he's only 4600 Auden Tate already reviewed that. He's only 5300 For the night game on Sunday night, Naeem Hines is a very, very interesting play if Marlon Mack is out. He's extremely, extremely cheap. And even if Marlon Mack is not out, the Colts are still going to be down, and Naeem Hines could come in and get some passing down work. So if you play a single-game matchup, you better believe I'm putting Naeem Hines in and a lot of those single-game matchups for that Sunday night. Defense-wise, the Panthers up against Gardner Minshew, they did just lose Quan Short, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit, but they're only 4,400. They're one of the cheapest values out there. And they just shut down Deshaun Watson and the Texans. They've been great so far this season. I cannot believe they're so cheap. Coogley is running that defense like the captain that he should be. That defense is just humming along, humming, 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 humming. Gardner Minshew, I believe he tweaked his ankle or his knee slightly. He's still going to end up playing, but he's a rookie quarterback. And this could be the week that he comes back down to earth along with the Jacksonville's off, Jacksonville offense. Watch out for the Panthers this week to end up getting a couple big plays, but they're very, very solid. That's the biggest thing that you have to look at is they are very, very solid overall. And although they might not get an interception for a touchdown or fumble for a touchdown, especially if Jacksonville plays it safe, but it's a very slow pace of play for both teams. They're not going to get a lot of opportunity and that's going to result in very little points being put up in this game. My only fear, my only fear about this is the fact that the Jacksonville Jaguars could end up leaving Gardner Minshew and the Jacksonville Jaguars with a very, very short field going up against Kyle Allen. That is a big, big fear for me. Obviously, if they have a short field and they're able to put up some points, it's just going to tick-tack away at the Panthers' defense. But like I said, I think it's still a good play. The Giants is my other one. And this was interesting. This one's a little bit risky. They're only 3600 so they're one of the cheapest defense out there but they're going up against Kirk Cousins. Last week, they ended up putting up three sacks and four interceptions up against the Redskins. They have a fire lit up their ass. Daniel Jones is giving them that spark, and I would not be surprised if they could end up picking off Kirk Cousins a couple times, especially with all the complaining, bitching, and mowing going on in Minnesota. They're gonna try and please these receivers. They're gonna give both Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs a pacifier. They're gonna give them the attempts. Now, what they do with the attempts That's where I want the Giants. Like I said, this is a risky play. This is very, very risky. You're relying on them getting interceptions and points off of interceptions. So I'm not saying that they're definitely going to produce, but this is very similar to my Tampa Bay prediction last week, where if they end up getting the touchdowns and the sacks and the interceptions, it could make up for the points that are put up against them. And speaking of Tampa Bay, oh my God, I'm going Tampa Bay twice. Who would ever predict that you're talking about Tampa Bay being one of the best defenses? Well, they have been. They're actually fourth in fantasy points per game for anybody on the Sunday slate. They're averaging over 11 points per game. It's up against New Orleans, which scares you, but they're only 3,500. The biggest thing is that they're fourth in fantasy points per game for teams on this slate. They put up 15 points up against the Rams, eight points against the Giants, nine points against Cardinals, and 12 points up against San Francisco. You wanna know something crazy? All three of these teams have extremely, extremely good running backs. I understand the Giants, I believe he got injured halfway through that game, But either way, he still wasn't doing anything prior to that. They are the top defense up against the running back. And the New Orleans Saints have Alvin Kamara. Now, that would be a top-notch contrarian play to play Alvin Kamara this week, but I don't see it happening. Tampa Bay has proven that they are very, very, very great up against the run. They have added the right pieces, and they are extremely solid. So that's going to leave Teddy Bridgewater up to pass. And, yes, Teddy Bridgewater, I believe his average depth of target was like less than two yards. I could be wrong, but I think his longest target last week was two feet. He's like, oh, man, that's a yard. No, I can't throw that far. That scares me a little bit when it comes to the potential to create interceptions. But if Teddy Bridgewater starts throwing down the field, that could mean big-time, big-time money for Tampa Bay, who continues to produce. Up against the pass, they've now recovered five fumbles. They have four interceptions and 11 sacks. Pretty damn solid. I can see this carrying over to New Orleans, and Tampa Bay is my number one defense to own value-wise this week. On to contrarian plays. These are going to be plays that people are kind of scared of playing for whatever reason, but I still see value in it. These are typically the players that end up making you the big bucks when it comes to the big-time tournaments. And I'm going to start out with Cortland Sutton first up against the Chargers. The reason why he's a contrarian play is because people are afraid that Emmanuel Sanders is, might end up taking away too many targets from Cortland Sutton. But Cortland Sutton has gotten 26% target share and 29% target share this past two weeks. My prediction is the charge are going to be up. They're going to have to pass. And Cortland Sutton is going to be the main beneficiary of this happening. My next contrarian play is going to be Derrick Henry. And he's playing the Bills. And people are scared of the Bills. My biggest thing is the fact that I don't think that the Tennessee Titans nor the Bills will pull ahead by any stretch of the imagination. I think they're going to keep on pounding away with Derrick Henry. And here's the thing with the Bills. They played the Jets, and they gave up 60 yards rushing with 32 yards receiving on six catches and a touchdown versus the Giants. They played Barkley. They gave up 107 yards, one touchdown on the ground and gave up three receptions for 28 yards. Up against Mixon, he only had 15 carries And took it for 60 yards. That's Mixon's most efficient game. He also had two receptions for 34 yards and a touchdown. Even Mixon was startable that week. And then the Patriots. When they went up against the Patriots, the Patriots wanted to throw. Towards the end of the game, they started figuring out, hey, we have to run this ball up the middle because that's where Buffalo's weakest point of attack is. Michelle ended up taking it 63 yards. Meanwhile, James White had eight receptions on 37 yards receiving. The Bills are not that good up against the running back. This is the type of game the Titans like. They're going to run the ball up the throat of the Bills this week. I think Derrick Henry goes off, and I could see him finishing as a top five running back this week, and people are not going to be playing him. They're not going to. They're scared. Don't be scared of playing Derrick Henry this week. Mark Ingram. Everybody's falling off the the Beadmore bandwagon, man. Everybody's falling off. Why are you falling off? I think Mark Ingram has an excellent Excellent matchup this week. I'm playing him in so many DFS leagues, I can't even get my head around it. He has Pittsburgh, who is ranked 26th up against the run so far this year. Pittsburgh, you are playing Mark Ingram this week. My next one's going to be Fournette. And hear me out, okay, because Fournette has been on my bad side lately. But after seeing him this past week, I have a little bit of restored faith in him, a little bit of renewed faith. Thing is, is the Panthers lost Kwan Short to an injury. He's out for the rest of the season. That's a huge blow to a defensive line that has been extremely, extremely solid so far. But the biggest thing is, is that the Jacksonville Jaguars aren't going to be able to pass this week. I think the Carolina Panthers are going to shut them down. I think it's a very, very slow pace of play game this week, so I don't see any team jumping up to a lead with both defenses being vicious. That's going to allow Leonard Fournette to get those carries that he needs in order to be successful. Play Leonard Fournette and have faith. Marlon Mack versus the Chiefs for the night game is my next one. And he might be hurt. He might be hurt. So it scares me a little bit. But Mack is still a potential play. Yes, they're afraid they're going to go to passing down work. But Marlon Mack has been getting passing down work as well. The Chiefs have been brutal up against the running back. If Marlon Mack is out for that game, you grab Naeem Hines as quick as you can because Naeem Hines is going to have over 100 receiving yards. He is going to go off. So Marlon Mack... Although it's not a popular play, I'm playing him. But if he does not play, I'm rushing as fast as I can over to that Naeem Hines side. I have my, my last segment here, which is just going to be two players. Want to be ballsy? Go with Adrian Peterson. He's playing up the Pats. Well, guess what? The Pats had trouble last week. Up against the Bills defense, is really, really good. Don't get me wrong. But the Redskins have the talent on the defensive side to be good. The coaching has just been brutal. Has been absolutely terrible. Joe Barry who is the defense coordinator of the Lions team that went 0-16 is the defense coordinator of the Redskins. He's lost that team. He's lost that locker room. They are terrible. However, if they can put together some sort of motivation and try and come in and go all out for the Patriots, you're going to have Adrian Peterson there. And Frank Gore last week put up 17 carries for 109 yards against the Patriots. Adrian Peterson is almost the same exact runner as Frank Gore. If you wanna be ballsy, you wanna be contrarian, and you wanna take the opposite side, the opposite end, go with Adrian Peterson. That's my shot in the dark, that's the one player that you're like, God, I'd never wanna play him, but you could play him this week, it's possible. Now, if the New England Patriots go up, yeah, there's no chance. Adrian Peterson's not doing shit. But if the Redskins can keep it close for a couple of quarters, you could see some tremendous output from Adrian Peterson. My other one is gonna be DJ Moore. And hear me out on DJ Moore, he hasn't been getting the targets from Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen likes Curtis Samuel, he does not like DJ Moore. But if the Jacksonville Jaguars focus on Curtis Samuel, because Kyle Allen has been going to Curtis Samuel over and over and over again. If they focus on Curtis Samuel and they leave DJ Moore one-on-one, this athletic freak, this athletic playmaker could put a couple of them on the house. I would not be shocked if I looked at the stat line and you see DJ Moore up against the Jacksonville Jaguars, Two touchdowns for 100 yards, I would not be shocked. It'd be a ballsy move, but hey, that's how you win these tournaments. With that being said, guys, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up here. And I'm just going to say don't play Alvin Kamara versus Tampa Bay. Don't play Le'Veon Bell versus Philly. Those are very extremely, extremely stout defenses up against the run. And I'm going to go ahead and put my plug in. You can hear Fantasy Intervention on Apple iTunes, on Google Play, on Stitcher. You can follow us at Facebook.com fantasyintervention We're working on our Twitter right now. We're working on a few other things, guys. We are growing every single week. This is awesome. Keep telling your friends about us, guys. We would really, really appreciate it. I'm looking to have a few different guest hosts on. So if you guys are interested, you can message me. Met a couple guys last night that were pretty cool. Might have them on the show as well. I want to give good advice. If you guys don't agree with me, I want to hear why. I want to bring you guys on. So, message us at facebook.com fantasy intervention if you're ever looking to be a guest host. I should be having the over the phone podcast set up here shortly so you guys can actually call in and be live on the show. We'll be working on that here soon. And yeah, I appreciate you guys for listening. Thank you guys once again for letting me intervene with your fantasy football lives. My mom's dope, my niggas is dope, switch up pick up they no way. Bang a podcast.